and welcome to Survivor Social, the podcast where we discuss and disentangle Survivor with a focus on the social elements of the game. My name is David, and I am joined by the amazing, incomparable Tegwe. How's it going, Tegwe? Oh, you know, going well. I'm not crying today. So, you know, I guess that's all that matters in my book. Um, I, if you don't know, I have a TikTok and I did, I was, uh, after last night's episode, I was an emotional <laughs> wreck to say the least. Um, and I literally posted a TikTok about 15 minutes after the episode, just crying, uh, because I have no restraint, but that's okay. I'm better today. That's all that matters. And sometimes it's good to just get those emotions out. <laughs> And invent your frustration. So I completely understand. I too am very frustrated. So we have a lot to talk about. And there are so many things to talk about. There's so many sneaky snakes this season. And before we dig into all things Survivor, make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and on Spotify. And if you have any hot takes of your own or you want to air your grievances and share your frustrations with us, please do send us a message at survivorsocialpod at gmail.com and we'll read them here. Speaking of which, we received another listener question from Amanda. And Amanda asks, which two players do you want to play a second time? Mm -hmm. From this season alone? I'm going to interpret that as in general. In general. All right. Great question. My first answer is always Brian Corden from uh, Survivor Guatemala. He was voted out pre-merge. Um, he, I, I ended up meeting him in person at, uh, and I consider him a pretty good friend, but I also think he has really great gameplay. Uh, and I think he would be amazing on our screens again. And then a little bit more of a typical answer. Uh, I think I would really want to see Ricard. I think Ricard has... Uh, amazing you know gameplay i would love to see how he would fare with a different group of people uh, because you know he was so close with uh shan so i definitely think uh, ricard would be very interesting to see again those are both awesome choices i myself am rocking the yasha blue buff i also bleed yasha blue just like brian corden so i <laughs> endo- i endorse both of those choices very much so i think if i had to choose I guess if we're going with people we think are possible at this point, Sydney from Ko Rong, I would love to see her again. She is someone who I feel like I have an emotional connection investment towards, and I really want to see her again. And honestly, hmm, I'm going to double down on the Sydney and go with Sydney Siegel from Survivor 41 because she is, she, yes, the Sydney's captain season, Sydney versus Sydney. <laughs> I love it. It's filmed in Sydney, Australia. That would be incredible. (laughs) Both of them have such great personalities and they're such competitors. I would love to see both of them. So Amanda. Oh, go ahead. I also just want to say, I I think I would definitely Taj is somebody that I would want to see back again. The Mm. only reason why I didn't choose Taj is because she has gone on record saying she would never play Survivor again, which breaks my fragile heart. Um, So that's why I didn't choose Taj. But let me just say Taj would be number one on the list above. Oh, my God. So far above. I just love her so much. I honestly can't blame her because if I had to play Survivor with Coach, I'm not sure I would want to play again either. Good point, good point. (laughs) (laughs) But I completely agree. She is such a gem. And Amanda, thank you for sending this question. You are also a gem. And again, if you have your own question, please do send us an email. But on to the episode. 
Survivor 44, episode three. We start at the Tika tribe and Jam Jam gives Sarah a hug and tries to smooth her over after Helen has just been voted out. And Carson wants to smooth things over with her too. How scorned would you be if you were in Sarah's position? Well, like I said earlier in this episode, I'm a very emotional person. So probably very scorned, um, but I'm also not confrontational. Uh, and I think that that's a very interesting, uh, would be, a, you. I feel like in Survivor, there are times that you need to be confrontational and there are times that you have to kind of brush your pride under the rug. So there is a 50% chance that I would go crying in a bush, but there's also a 50% chance that I would smile and say that nothing's wrong. So, well, you know. I guess we'll flip the coin and see when the time exactly. comes. Exactly. But I think, uh, let me just say, I think Sarah handled it, you know, as well as somebody could. Uh, obviously, she was blindsided, it seems. I almost thought that she was in on it because I, I, I saw that it was unanimous and I know she didn't have a vote. So part of me was like, maybe she just knew it was going to happen. Um, but obviously, she didn't. Uh, but, you know, you got to kind of take it on the chin. And I think she did a pretty good job at that. I think so, too. And she also acknowledged that she, although she forgives she is not going to forget. And she said to Carson, I don't believe what you're saying as much as you, as I normally would because of that situation. Mm -hmm. And I appreciate that in the sense that maybe Carson is going to try even harder to try and earn her trust back, but it could potentially go in the other direction. Whereas he could possibly just not care anymore and just say, all right, if we're going again, then you're right, Sarah, you are on the bottom and you're going next. So I guess we'll see how that plays out. But more importantly, we go to Ratu and Kane is singing the Canadian National Anthem, which was absolutely hilarious. We need more Kane. I love Kane. I, I love I loved the whole bit about, you know, that was so funny. The whole like national anthem, just him singing by himself on the beach with everyone around him. And then they just gave him a rousing applause. That was just awesome. And I love that they can air that because it is not, uh, not copyrighted or whatever. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then they, they went to the whole bit about, you know, the sword and the shield. It just made me smile. The whole, the whole thing made me smile. I love the injections of personality and yeah, Kane gets into the fact that he likes Dungeons and Dragons and he wants to be a hero to people, which I think is important. But Kane, if you're out there and next time you start a D&D campaign, please, I would love an invite. I will be there. I've never played, but I've got a lot of gusto. And if, if you can sing the Canadian National Anthem with that much gusto, then I think we'll be a great match as D&D players together. Absolutely. I also have never played D&D, but I've always wanted to. It looks so interesting. It looks so fun. I wonder if there are parallels between that and Survivor. I'm sure there are. I bet you there are. Yeah. So there they are on Ratu. They're talking about how they want more food. Brandon wants to provide and he goes out spearfishing. And then we see what I believe to be an incredibly cheesy contrived compilation where there are all these pictures overlaid of all these great things that Brandon has done in his life as he's talking about the fact that he's a renaissance man, he's very multifaceted, which is true, but I could have really gone without seeing the apple pie that he baked as he's talking about all of his passions. I really don't care. I thought that that was such a funny little bit. It, it It's giving um Debbie, but also way uh like the producers wanted him to talk keep talking and less of a we're making fun of you and more of a uh you know we're here for this um but i mean he kind of was saying the exact same thing he was just listing all of these things that he does um which i you know 
there's no there's no such thing as a two dimensional person. There's no such thing as one person who likes one thing and that's it. Except for me and Survivor, I am the exception. Um, but <laughs> but I just think that that was a, a really you know, I think cheesy is a great word for it. But did I laugh at it? Did did it bring me a little bit of joy? I think it did. But uh, but yeah, a little cheesy, little um corny but you know he got he got one fish he got that one fish so this is true props to brandon and i and i'm impressed by all of his accolades and all of his skills please do not get me wrong the thing that i don't like are the pictures i have to throw in our face you know like that's true let, let brandon show us i believe him let him show us i again not to harp on the apple pie but i don't care and it was a, quite a nice lattice pattern i have to admit that being said i just don't want to see it <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> Good, I, great point, though. That's a, a great point. You know, they're taking some liberty with the editing. They're not all going to be winners. And I think you're right. That was maybe not a winner. <laughs> so we, we hop to Soka. Immediately, we get more talk of the showman's. Franny says that she wants to go on a road trip with Matt. And then we cut to Claire. Icon, icon, icon. Claire, icon. Who is talking about. Matt and Franny with everybody else and how they're nerds and how they like to hang out with each other and that's good and that's fine but they're liabilities because they're a known duo they're still not correcting their mistake mm -hmm. yeah um you know like I said last episode there's when when two magnets attract if you're if if it's that that much it's gonna be very difficult to stop that from happening and you when you go on survivor you're not going to be able to, to to change yourself people think that they're going to be able to lie about things and be less loud and be this and be that and that typically isn't what's going to happen uh and so when you're hungry and tired you just want to be somebody that comforts you and obviously they comfort each other and they make each other happy um so no matter being self-aware doesn't mean that you're going to be able to fix the problem and they are self-aware but uh, they also don't want to fix the problem. They want to keep hanging out. And so, you know, that I, uh, I think doesn't bode well for their gameplay, but off, honestly, clearly, uh, that is not correct because neither of them went home. Spoiler alert. That is a very good point. It didn't affect things too much, but as much as I love playing with magnets, I have learned that you can pull them apart if you really want to. And God damn it, if, if there was a million dollars at stake, I would be pulling those magnets apart, you know? Of course, like you said, sometimes it's hard to and people really click with each other, but I think the players who remind themselves what they're out there to do and wake up every morning recalibrated are going to be the most successful and maybe Matt and Franny are just too busy looking into each other's eyes in the morning instead of looking out at the ocean and saying like, this is my, this is my chance. I got to do it. But you know what? Like you said, nothing negative has happened so far. They weren't voted out. They went to tribal. Yeah. Um, it's very weird because I think that like part of me was thinking that, do we think that nothing has happened because even everyone knows that this power duo only has one vote and they, this power duo only has one vote, uh, for two tribals. So while they're a, a power duo or a power couple or whatever, um, they actually aren't two votes going in one place. It's only one vote for now. And part of me is like, people are thinking maybe that that threat is further down the line. That threat is not something that's immediate. So we don't need to deal with it right now. Let's deal with it tomorrow or the day after. Um, 
or, or, you know, just very interesting to me because if I see a, a, a duo like that, close friends or, you know, a couple or showmans like they are, that to me is an immediate. You, you That's a no-go. Absolutely not. Um, and uh, clearly they're not thinking that. Clearly they have some other other thoughts in there. But um, part of me is thinking that maybe it's because he doesn't have a vote. I don't know. That's a very good point. I think because Matt isn't able to exercise his vote, maybe they're not concerned right now, but you're right. It could possibly become a liability in the future. So they've done, they've done the whole tribal song and dance once. If they have to do it again, I guess that's something they'll worry about after that second time, perhaps, or maybe they'll just try and get him out. If they have to go again, we'll see. Anyway, Danny tries to put the fake idol that he obtained when he got the real idol last episode with the note back in the birdcage. He tries to put it all back together and assembles it. He's a wonderful somersault. Bravo to that. Uh, so much finesse. And he successfully puts the fake idol in the bird birdcage. He hides the key and hopes that someone takes the bait. Did he say at any point who in particular he was hoping would find it? I don't think he did. I could be wrong. Um, I don't think he did. I think they were going out as a group, uh, as a group to search. So I think he just wanted to be able to know who had it. Uh, obviously he does. Um, but I, I don't recall him saying specifically that he wanted somebody to have it, but I could be wrong. Well, at that point, I think the objective was really just getting the target off of him, mm-hmm. which I think was probably his, his biggest concern. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we go from Soka back to Tika and apparently Jam Jam snores like a monster. And you know what? I love that we're getting these character scenes. I love to see the little Baywatch run that Jam Jam does down the beach. Hilarious. But although there are chuckles and jokes, and it's the chuckle factory down at Tika, there is one audience member who is not quite slapping their leg hard as everybody else. And that is Sarah because she still is nervous and apprehensive and feels like she's at the bottom of a very small group. And I mean, I would probably not be laughing as hard either. Yeah, I, I, you know, when, when you know that you're on the outs in, in any way, shape or form, even if it's just just barely by an inch, you can feel it. You know, you, you, you know, when when at school, when people are going off and talking about you, you, you can feel when that happens. Um, and, you know, she not everything is just kind of got a dimmer on it. She's not wearing the rose color glasses that everyone is having when you're in the majority. You get to, you know, have a little bit more fun. You get to do a little bit more of. Uh, laughing and smiling and she's worrying about her next time at tribal or you know her next day she's worrying about her game so I totally get it I get it too and what I thought was weird was that she didn't mention at any point that she had the advantage not to anybody else but even in her confessionals of Mm -hmm. okay I might be nervous but if anybody plays anything at this next at this next tribal I'm going to whip out my advantage and Hopefully that would give her some security. But anyway, I have hope for Sarah. I think that Tika is the en- little engine that could. And I really liked her quote about the fact that I really hope that whatever challenges come our way will suit sweet little Tika's skill set because it's not going to be easy. But flash forward to the uh, the challenge and believe it or not, it ends up working out quite well for them. But anyway, we are back at Soka. Like you mentioned, everybody is looking together for the key. And Danny is mocking them in confessional about how bad they are trying to find it because he hid it in some place that he thought was very obvious. And it does honestly seem to me that P- 
people on the Ahsoka tribe aren't willing to get down and dirty. And someone who is able to do that is Matt on the Ratu tribe. He is, you know, the one climbing up the huge rocks. He's willing to do anything. As, as we will discuss, he is the one who forms the plant plant daddy and the plant mom alliance with Jamie. So they love nature, but I'd be, I'm kind of surprised that nobody on Soka was willing to get really down and dirty. Like, I'm not saying you need to be like Rafe Judkins when they first put out the, the first immunity idol in Guatemala and he sticks his hand into the bees nests and they're all chasing him. No, it's not what I'm saying, but just look a little harder, perhaps. That also could go back to optics, though. If you think about it, when you're looking as a group, you don't want to be seen as the person who's looking the hardest. Because, like, why are you looking the hardest? If you're going out by yourself, if you're going out and doing stuff, then you can kind of dig and get dirty and, you know, do all of that. But in a group, everyone's looking for the idol, but everyone's also trying to see who's finds it, you know? Um, so I really do think that maybe they're not looking as hard as they would if they were by themselves uh, because they don't want to be the one looking the hardest. They don't want to be the one, they, they don't want to miss somebody else finding it. You know, if you're, if you're focused on looking for something, then maybe you'll, you'll miss something else, uh, which obviously they were focused on other things, AKA I'm pretty sure they were focused on looking at other people, try to find it that they missed the idol. Um, so, you know, when I, I always say perception is reality and survivor, and you don't want to be seen as the, the one who was a little bit too eager. You want to be that person because anything can paint a target on your back, any little thing. That is an excellent point. I rescind that statement completely. You have sold me. I think you have to do what everybody else is doing. And if everybody else is also looking a moderate degree, you don't want to be going absolutely crazy unhinged. But you also probably don't want to just be sitting there like Heidi, yeah. looking yeah. at the bird cage and have people come up to you being like, what are you doing? Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> so funny. So then out of nowhere, after doing a little bit of digging, Matt finds the key and tries to play it off like he didn't. And he is the one that claims the fake idol that Danny plans. And Danny immediately goes up to him in front of Josh and confronts him about the fact that he saw him put something into his pants and Matt denies it. And then the minute that Josh walks away, Matt confesses to Danny that he has it, and then he proceeds to tell Josh, and then he shares it with Franny, and now, what, four out of six people on the tribe are aware that he has it? Yeah, um, not, not good, not good playing in, in, in my, in my opinion for Matt there. Um, you know, Obviously, it's fake. So Danny was going to out him or sorry, was going to tell everybody about his idol uh, and was going to, you know, deal with that whole thing. Um, but so everyone was going to know, essentially, that was that's Danny's game plan. Right. But there is a way if you are being if you are head on and somebody says, hey, you have this and you have it in a game like this. You got to just say, ah, you got me. Because if you lie to two people and then admit it to one person and then go back and admit it to the other person, then what? what is the, why would you even do that? Uh, because people are going to corroborate stories. Obviously, everyone's going to figure out that he has it. And it just is, it's not, you don't, like I said, you don't want to paint a target on your back. Uh, and you can't, you don't want people to know that you have an idol. Uh, but you also don't want people to think of you as a liar. And I think in this situation, 
I think it's worse to have people not trust you and have an idol than to just have an idol. You know what I mean? You've got to own it. Definitely. Yeah, got to own if it. If someone sees you and they're, he didn't just say, I think you found something. He said, I saw you do it. That's yeah. a bigger claim than just accusing someone of probably having someone. So I agree. You got to own it. And Danny then tells Heidi, so I lied. It was not four out of six. It is five out of six. And Claire obviously has good reads on everything. So I'm sure that it was six out of six. But Danny is laughing in confessional about the fact that he knows that no one knows what's going on. And I love that. Danny is a force of chaos in the best way possible. I'm very much enjoying him. And then even more chaos. We're on Ratu and they're eating worms. Would you eat a worm on Survivor? Um, no, uh, I, well, I am a vegetarian, so I don't know what I would eat on Survivor. Um, but, and I've been a vegetarian my whole life. So it's not like something that I just started a year ago. Not that if you want to be a vegetarian, you start a year. That's great. But it's something I've literally never eaten meat. Uh, but I don't know that a live worm is going to be my first venture into that. Would you, would you eat a live worm? Have you eaten a live worm? Um, I'm sure on the playground at some point, I probably did. I'll be honest. Um, but yeah, I would, I don't care. I would, I would eat termites like they did in Gabon. I would eat worms. I would eat Baloo. I would, I think maybe the pig snout that they did. I think, I can't remember when, but they did a pig snout at some point. That's probably where I draw the line. Otherwise, yeah, I'm game. That, that more power to you. I am, uh, I, if it's, if it's not an animal, I can, I, you know, I can put it, I can eat it. I, I'm pretty, you know, grass, paper. I could do what Danny did and put the paper in my mouth, all that stuff. I'm fine with that. But the the wiggling, uh, no, that's not not for me. <laughs> you know what? I respect that. But <laughs> I hope that in the future we're on the same season and we have to do the food eating challenge against each other. That's all. Oh, gosh. He would win, <laughs> obviously. So then we see Lauren and Jamie bonding over how they're going to eat the worm together and Jamie eats it. So then Lauren eats it and Jamie is just a ball of high energy. I knew that in the first episode, we awarded her the driver of the Survivor Social Struggle Bus Award. But I think that she is really ingratiating herself even more than she already did. She was obviously very effervescent and bubbly the first episode, but even more so now. And you can see that she's down forever. So big props to you, Jamie. And, you know, having energy transfers to other people, you know, a smile, a laugh, you know, that bubbly personality, it it is contagious. And on a game like Survivor where you would depleted, uh, I think that's so important. And so, you know, the fact that she's able to have a smile and, you know, eat a worm with three people and make an alliance about plants, like all of that stuff um, is so important on this game. Um, and I think, you know, she is really do- putting in the work on the social side and uh, really, you know, bring in that happiness to to that tribe. I think so, too. Although I think it may have made her a target because Matt said, I'm going to target her to be the one to find this advantage. Could that be for the betterment of their relationship together? Yes, but could it also be for his strategic game? Absolutely. So let's get into this. So while looking for worms, Jamie finds what we think is the idol that Brandon played at the first tribal. But in reality, it's an idol that Matthew found two days ago. And they show in this throwback scene that Matthew found it. He makes a fake idol. And then this is what Jamie found instead. So 
big props to Matthew for that. Yeah, um, I do want to talk a little bit about the fake idols. Um, I would like to know your two cents about how you feel about production putting fake idols into the game. Um, because obviously, like the, we we're here to talk about social the social aspect of the game, but I saw a tweet that I think was a great point. I think it was Shannon uh, Shannon Gus um, who tweeted it, and essentially she said, you know, the social aspect of Survivor is so important, uh, but a lot of times it can be negated by little knickknacks here and there, little idols hidden, little, you know, advantages and blah, 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 all that stuff that's getting put into the game. And I think it's also a big part. Part of it is negated by these fake idols that are endorsed by production. Um, and I would love to get your two cents about, about how you feel about these uh, production putting in fake idols um, into the game and not, you know, not uh, players making them. I'll be honest, I do think that they are just looking for manufactured drama rather than it coming organically from the minds of the players. I think that when you introduce a fake idol into the mix, it puts pressure on someone to use it in a way that may be inorganic. And I think the best ways that fake idols have been created and made throughout the history of US Survivor has been from the player's own volition, their own mind, their own doing. Like Bob Crowley's were incredible. He stole little items from challenges and I just appreciated the work it took because he wanted to do it. He didn't feel pressure from production to dupe someone. He decided to do it himself. And so I think that introducing it into the narrative in an inorganic way or a manufactured way can sometimes lead to it not being used correctly because people feel like I have to use it. I feel this pressure and then they may use it at the wrong time or they may use it at a time that just, it'll just be ineffective is basically what I'm getting at. So I don't necessarily see the benefit of it. Yeah, I don't, I don't either. And, and, you know, I, I don't think it's, uh, um, I don't think it's a shock that Matt went, Matthew and went and made his own fake idol um, because, you know, I'm pretty sure, correct me if I'm wrong, that Brandon read it out loud um, when he found it in front of everyone. So I'm pretty sure everyone knew about the fake idol in there as well. Uh, and not only that, you know, um, I, I don't know. I just think that like the fact that there are now or there will be maybe three fake idols in play makes me are makes me feel like you know can you not are you not gonna be able to trust anything that production ever puts out ever uh it, it takes me back to season 39 um when uh who was that that found that beware advantage before, before it was a beware advantage it was just a thing hanging and he grabbed it and it ended up being bad for his game and he got voted out that episode so all i'm saying is I, I truly believe that Survivor is a social game down to its core. And I think that is one of the most important things. But your social game then isn't as important when luck is like 70% of the game as it is now. I mean, luck was always involved. It was always a part of the game, but it wasn't the main character. And I think that luck might be the main character nowadays. And I don't know how I feel about that, especially from somebody or especially for somebody who cares so much about the intricacies of the game. And if it just comes down to luck, then I might just go gamble and play roulette. You know what I mean? I don't really, 
I don't really need to see that social interaction if it's just a whole big thing of luck. I completely agree. And I think I often liken the new era of Survivor to Mario Party, where there are just so many opportunities that if you just happen to step on the right step at the right time, you'll get this weird tool that will just make you completely overpowered in comparison to other people, or it'll screw you over, but you have to take it because you stepped on the step. So therefore you are the person who receives it. And I think between forcing, forcing contestants to lose their votes to the, the introduction and pressure of production made fake idols. There are just so many gimmicks and I would prefer if they were just, if you're gonna do the gimmicks, then streamline it. Say, this is our theme. This is what we're doing. We're not going to add 50 million different things because first of all, hard to keep track of. I understand yeah. that they're putting people's names next to, uh, or they're putting the name of the advantage next to people's names and confessionals on the little Chiron. And I appreciate that. But the fact that we have to do that to begin with should probably tell you that there may be too, be too many moving pieces. Yep. Couldn't have said it better. Exactly. You know, back in the day, they used to put people's, um, uh, you know, occupation. Now, now it's um, how many idols they have or whatever. So it's just uh, something to think about because we are social. We are a social pod. And and I do think that these things that are entered into the game hurt the social game. I, I am saddened to agree with that, but I do believe it is indeed true. So now we're going to move on to covering the challenge. So the reward is for tools and fruit and the winning team gets more tools and fruit and the losing team gets less tools. Uh, I'm sorry, the second place team gets less tools and fruit and the losing team has to give Jeff their tool, their flint, sad times. Yep. So the big question before the challenge, will Claire compete? Jeff questions Claire about how she's never participated in an immunity challenge. And although I enjoy sassy Jeff, do not necessarily enjoy interrogative Jeff. Yeah, that's a very good point. I think a comment is great. Um, questioning the reasoning behind something in such a way that's not a tribal council, uh, you know, is a little pointed in my opinion. Uh, it's a little um, putting somebody on the spot for almost no reason, but sassy Jeff, a comment, amazing, hysterical. What he did in episode two, amazing, hysterical, but you know, we don't need the the shaming almost, you know what I mean? I agree. And we get into the challenge and at some point there is a cube in the water. And my question is, do you think that this cube is a substitute for the ladder? Because in the past they've had these ladders and I remember there was a very, very treacherous challenge in 42 that they basically had to like cut out a part of because it was so unsafe. Do you think that these cubes were the replacements? Absolutely, I do. Um, uh, should they be reusing, uh, you know, a challenge like this, like this quickly? No, but is it a replacement? Yes, it absolutely is. It's the same exact thing. They've got that coil. They've got the whole thing. You got to collect a thing. You got to stand up on a thing, you know, uh, same thing. But, you know, that this way they can be very sure that nobody is going to drown, essentially. Well, you know what? At least it looked cooler. So I will I will give them some points just for that alone. So pizzazz. we continue with the challenge. Yes, p- pizzazz points. The next section on our podcast. Uh, Jeff, 
you will receive zero. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> negative two for you. So Matthew is a beast in this challenge and all of a sudden his shoulder hurts. Do you think this is foreshadowing that something bad is going to happen? Because I genuinely thought that episode one, he was out. I was like, maybe it's just because I was so sad because of Bruce and I was already in that state of mind, but I was like, all right, Matt's gone. And I can't remember a time where they've just randomly shown somebody just getting hurt, but also continuing the challenge. I always feel like if they're going to show someone getting hurt, it almost always has immediate repercussions that we see that episode. And I was actually, I was relieved, but I was also a little confused because uh, it didn't lead to anything. They didn't check up on him, anything. And I, and I don't mean to wish anything bad about uh, upon that. I would, I would never, but I was just like concerned and confused that they didn't follow up on it. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, I also think that, I, I will say, I do think that Survivor loves to point out how hard it is. Mm. Um, and I think any any way that they can show that these people are in pain almost, um, I think that they will take that. Uh, they will be, they will do that. And so uh, I did, I was worried that he was going to, they were going to have to pause the, um, pause the challenge and maybe check his arm. But because they didn't, I just think they wanted people to know that like, you know, it's hard people are getting hurt and it's a hard game. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I don't know that I think it's foreshadowing because I, par- par- I partly, I partially think that Matt is going to win the whole thing. I think Matthew might be the winner. Um, but I hope, I hope he's fine. I hope, you know, he's wearing a sling around camp all the time. Uh, and then he competes in a challenge and he gets, did you notice that when they were going underneath the thing, they pulled his arm. Did you see that? Like I just, uh, I don't know. I am worried about, I'm worried for him. Sending you and your arm, lots of good vibes now. Yeah. And I also agree. I took note around the same time. He's a beast in challenges. He's, he's creating his own idols, which I think are much nicer and have more pizzazz than the ones that were included by production. I might add. Um, (laughs) And I think that he has a great social game. So I, I honestly think that Matt has a lot of, of potential as a winner. Yeah, definitely. Most definitely. And then one of the greatest parts of the episode, in my opinion, that I haven't seen anyone talking about <laughs> is Jam Jam saying, Jam Jam carrying a block by himself at the part that they have to carry the blocks for the puzzle. And I think Jeff says something like, oh, yeah, Jam Jam's just uh, calling the challenge on himself or something. But God, I love him. I love Jam Jam so much. I think he's such great television. I think he is just like how we were talking with Jamie, you know, he has this like happiness that is that you can feel it through the television. Um, And so I just I love him and I I need more. I know we're getting a lot of Jam Jam. I could use more because I think he's so great. I need more Jam Jam. But you know what I don't need more of? (laughs) I do not need more of Jeff asking if anybody has studied the puzzle because yeah. He mentions that they've done it in seasons past, but that doesn't mean that just because you see it, that you need to be 3D printing it and practicing it in your free time. Sorry. Well, honestly, I don't want people to do that. Like, you know, Survivor isn't a test that you can study for. Survivor is a game, a board game, and, you know, it's a life lifetime board game. And I don't want to have to study to play Clue. I just want to play Clue, okay? You know what I mean? I just... And something that I, um, 
we'll talk about this later. But something that I, I want to bring up with this puzzle is a lot of people have been pointing out very correctly um, that a, a lot of the puzzles in these tribe challenges are larger than life. And so even if you are good at a puzzle, if you're a good puzzler and you're good at figuring that out, if you can't carry a thousand pounds of a puzzle, then people will say that you are not good in challenges when in fact you in theory would be because you are really good at puzzles. But if you can't carry your weight in wood, then you are essentially a liability in a lot in a lot of stuff in, in current time. Just something I wanted to point out. We will probably talk about this a little bit later, uh, but it's just why do we why do we need to do these giant puzzles? I don't. That is a very good point. And this goes back a while. I'm, I'm, I immediately thought of the puzzles they did in Survivor Token Sheens, as well as Heroes versus Villains, where they had the huge giant crates that spell out their tribe name. And honestly, I don't think that it was a particularly tough puzzle in that respect in just the puzzle element. But yeah, you're right. The fact that they are ginormous means that brute strength is at a certain point potentially more important than just being able to assemble the puzzle itself. But you're right. We will dig into that in a little bit. So we two wins immunity first. And then the other tribes start copying the winning team's blocks shamelessly, just running over and trying to copy it, which honestly, I'm here for. I don't even know how they did that. I I, I would have just been lost in color. That's uh, that's why you won't don't ever put me on the puzzle. Like I would have just been lost in the color, and I would have been like, what are even the colors that we're dealing with? The fact that they were able to use that to their advantage, confusing to me. I'm not gonna lie, confusing. It is confusing, but impressive, and very impressive. because of that, Tika wins. And big props to Carson and Jam Jam for putting that, that together. And now the tribe that we thought would win all of the challenges, Soka, has to go to Tribal Council. And although this was quite a sad, melancholy moment, Jeff does knight Kane when he hands him the immunity idol. And I kind of love that moment. Kane is just bringing that, that, that geeky, dorky energy. And I say that myself as a huge dork and geek. And I absolutely love that. So oh yeah, you. it's a positive thing. It's definitely not a negative thing. It's a positive absolutely. thing. It makes me smile. So we're back at Soka. Franny goes off to have a moment. She's very emotional. And Danny and Josh are talking about taking out Claire. How do you feel when you hear that Claire is a target? Uh, my first word was no, 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 please God, no. Um um that was uh, almost verbatim let me just say um I, it kind of makes sense uh it also doesn't make sense to me at all but you know I guess if you want to keep quote-unquote tribe strong she has been sitting out um so in theory but I don't know I didn't like it let me just say how did you feel about it I didn't like it either I was quite perturbed and Franny doesn't want to get rid of Claire and she wants to target Josh because he's unpredictable and from what it seems he has not really connected himself as well with other people whereas Claire has these social bonds Josh has been active in these challenges and he's obviously an asset in a lot of ways but he hasn't really allowed people in and 
I listened to an exit interview with Claire and she said, Josh had a tattoo and we asked him about it. He didn't really tell us very much. We tried to engage him. We tried to have him open up to us. And for whatever reason, it didn't seem like he wanted to do that, or at least to the extent as the other people on the tribe. So I, if I was in this position, I would probably do what Fr Franny was doing and target Josh personally. Yeah, I um I, I think back to other tribes in the past who have gotten rid of the stronger men. Um and I think, you know, if you have a good enough alliance, obviously you never want to go to tribal council, but if you have a strong three and you're, you know, you're this, you're, you're three tribes in your three tribal councils into the game, you have a strong three, you have an alliance, just vote for the other people. You know what I mean? Uh, it's never that simple, but you want to make it to the merge. And it's almost like if you cut off the people that you don't trust and you stick with the people that you do. And even if you are a small tribe, you maybe almost become one of the more important people going into the merge. You are the numbers that can make the bigger tribes go out or the numbers that could make, uh, you know, add to the bigger tribe to make the other tribe go away, whatever it is. If you have the numbers, especially in a three tribe, um, a three tribe season, it's not going to be everyone else against you. It's going to be two tribes all coming in at the merge. Uh, and so I personally don't see the necessity of keeping the big, typically men, people on the tribes. Uh, because if you have a solid two other people with you, if you go back to tribal, in theory, you guys are safe. Um, so that's just my two cents. Cause I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I just, think I, I probably would have gone for Josh. I probably would have. Or honestly, I probably would have tried to go for Danny because Danny was very verbal. Danny was trying to, you know, make some moves. I also don't know why they didn't vote for Matt. He doesn't have a vote. I don't know. There are a lot of things that I think could have happened in this scenario. There are many things. And unfortunately, the Soka tribe, I just don't understand their rationale for a lot of things. But ultimately, it does come down to Heidi to decide where the vote is going to go. And she's talking to Claire on the beach, just one-on-one. -on -one, and Heidi says that she has a hard time deciding what to do. And she really needs to think about what to do. And Claire is upset that Heidi says this because she wants to be reassured in this moment because she knows that her neck is on the line here. And Heidi just isn't able to give her that reassurance. And then flash forward, we are in tribal. And Claire brings up what I think is the most salient point made this season and perhaps in all of the new era of is brute force what strength quote unquote is um well in seasons 41 42 43 and 44 yes in general no in general strength is you know somebody who has the fortitude to stand on a pole for 12 hours Strength is somebody who can finish a puzzle in five seconds. You know, strength is somebody who can bring two people together and have them vote your way uh, uh, when you when they see in they, they don't agree on anything. That to me is strength in general. But in pre-merge 41, 42, 43 and 44, strength is I can lift heavy things. That's what strength is. And I don't think that is a good uh, I don't think that's good building blocks for for a, a reality TV show such as Survivor. I don't think so either. And unfortunately, 
the trend continues and Claire plays her shot in the dark. She is not safe. She is voted out four to zero, even after she directly asks Heidi during tribal where she stands and that Heidi tries to reassure her or Claire thinks that she's trying to reassure her and Claire still goes. So let's get into it. 10 out of the 12 people voted out of their tribes first have been women in the new era of Survivor. This is outrageous. Let us just take the cap off what we have been trying to contain for the last however long we've been recording and just get it all out there. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, There are obvious patterns here. Um, 10, the first boot, 10 out of 12, 10 out of 12 is a ridiculous, a ridiculous number. Um, The fact that it is 100% of tribes in 43 and 44. So in 43 and 44, since people who are going into these seasons, since they know the format of this new era, every single person who has gone home first out of their tribe has been a woman. Um, That is not something that happens on accident. Uh, Do I think people go into tribal council or go into survivor and is like, I'm going to vote out all the women. No, because people don't do that. They don't, or at least people who don't, who do that aren't going to be cast on survivor. Um, They obviously have reasons. I'm not saying that people don't have reasons for the things that they're doing. Obviously the majority of the votes for Maddie's tribal council was not on Maddie, right? That was on somebody else. All the, and when it was just Maddie getting voted out at first, even though I was very sad, that is survivor, you know, great tribal council. I'm not, no one is saying that she, no one is saying any of these people got voted out because they were women. Um, but the issue is, is, is when you see a trend such as this, there is something inherently broken. There is something inherently broken. And then people will come to me and they'll say, but but two women won 41 and 42. Okay, but how many women (laughs) made it past pre-merge? You know what I mean? And then if you break it down even more, if you think about like women of color, I I believe there has only been one Asian woman who has made it, maybe, maybe, uh, I think there have been two Asian women who have made it to um, post-merge. Janine was, Mayor Ponderosa, she was voted up first, and Erica, who obviously won. Uh, Erica was also the person who was going to be the first boot from her tribe if her tribe had gone to tribal. Do you see what I do? You see the the problems here? You know, Survivor is a micro. It, it is a is is society. You know, boiled down into this. You know, very small little thing, um, and that means people's prejudices come with them. And uh, if people think that like women are, are going to be weaker in the, in the, in the challenges, when all you have to, when all you do is lift big boxes and, and, and move big things, then they are going to be the ones that are voted out. Um, but you can't tell me that there's not an, an issue here because 10 out of 12, six out of six, like, come on, like, it's ridiculous. It is outrageous. And my question is, what do you think can be done? Do you think that simply just moving back to the two tribe format is is the simple solution? Or do you think that this goes even deeper than how the survivor game makers make the game? And do you think that 
the subconscious biases that people have are playing an even bigger role because of the precedent that has been set through all the seasons. What do you think it will take to undo this? So obviously there's no one right answer, right? You know, back in the day, people, there was, there was always an issue in this, uh, maybe still, there was always an issue of women finding idols because when you go on Survivor, a lot of past players would say, when we hit that beach, no matter where you were in the real world, no matter what you did in the real world, the big men went and got wood and the women stayed and weaved. Uh, and even if you didn't want to do that, you kind of had, you can't, stir too much because you're trying to get to the end and so that's why that is an explanation for as to why women did as, didn't get as many idols because they weren't the ones who could sneak away from camp and get them uh you know so i don't this has been prevalent for since the since the dawn of time right uh but you know there are things that we can do so if you look at i'm watching uh, I'm, I'm a fan of australian survivor I, I do watch it and I, you know, I'm, I'm commenting on, on this current season, but they're diverse. You need diversity in every aspect of the game. And that means the players, that means the people who are making the show, but we also need diversity of challenges. We also need diversity within the game itself, right? I've said it a thousand times. Um, these challenges are the same thing in different fonts. It's do something in the water or run really far into the woods and gather something and use that something to finish the puzzle. Uh, and it's just that every single time it's different, right? But it's essentially the same thing. If you watch Australian Survivor, they have challenges that are team, um, uh, team not, uh, not strength, but endurance, team endurance challenges. So they had one this season where you had to hold um, sandbags over your heads and uh, you had to have at least uh, like every single person on the tribe had to have one. And then one person on the tribe could finish a puzzle. And if that person finished the puzzle first before the other tribe, then you could um, uh, take one of your, or you could choose somebody on the other tribe to sit out. And so that means that that tribe now had like four people and five sandbags. So a team endurance challenge, you're not moving big, heavy things. It was a regular old puzzle. You're not dealing with the biggest puzzle you've ever seen. But it's something that I was a know-it-all in high school. I can hold my arm up for as long as I want to. You know what I mean? I don't think that I would be able to move a giant block, but I do think I could do this. So I think when you play to different people's strengths each time. Don't just do the same thing over and over again. That's when you are able to, you know, that's when you don't have to get people out because of brute strength or or, or, um, or weakness or whatever it is. Um, I also think Claire brought up in her um, exit interview with Rob Cicinino, a very good point where in this recent time, the smaller tribes have been a problem but also there have been no merges. And so, sorry, not merges, sorry, swaps. There have been no swaps. And so, you know, when you don't, when there's no swap coming, you have no idea who's going to be on your tribe, or you you know who's going to be on your tribe. You know it's going to be these six people and that's it until you get to the merge. And you want to get the best way to get to your merge. And if you think that that is keeping those really strong people, then that's what you're going to do. But if there's a swap, you maybe have a little bit more freedom in your mind to 
get people out who you don't want to work with or who may be a liability in a swap. Um, and I just think, you know, you, you can't keep doing the same things over and over again. Uh, you, you can't let it become predictable because then things like this happen. I'm worried about next week. You know, I'm worried about Sarah on her tribe. I, I don't want to see four women go out in a row, two seasons in a row, like that will break me. Um, but there are things you can do. Like it's, it's, it is cracked. It is borderline broken, but it is fixable and it'll never be perfect, but it can be better. That is for darn sure. I think those are great suggestions. I think that, like you said, the challenges need to be more creative. They they aren't using all the resources they have creatively. I'm sure there are absolutely brilliant people on all of these teams. And I honestly think that a lot of this comes from thematic issues. And what I mean by that is Survivor was location-based. I'm wearing the Guatemala buff right now. I love the challenges in that season because they really tried to incorporate the elements of the location into the challenges. And I think perhaps because we've gone away from themes, we've gone away from locations. As a result, we've gotten away from a lot of strongly themed challenges. And now we have these sort of, like you said, same thing, different font. And we're just getting these challenges are just the same flavor over and over and over again. And that could perhaps be linked to the fact that we have been in Fiji consistently since Survivor season 33. So I think that perhaps they've run out of steam perhaps in terms of, all right, well, this is just what's been working. And I think they need to refreshen things strongly. And I also think that Tribe Swaps reinvigorated Survivor originally when it was introduced in Survivor Africa. And I would love to see, there's still time I don't think it's going to happen, but there's still time for there to be a tribe swap this season. And I think that the new era of Survivor, if this is what it is, and it's not going to have a tribe swap at all, I'm going to be a little disappointed because that is a twist that relies or makes the contestants rely on their social game. And that is ultimately what this game is about. We don't need more twists that are going to introduce more strategic, confusing, gimmicky trinkets into the game. We need more things that are going to push people to create relationships, put strains on those relationships, because that is ultimately what is compelling for viewers. It's compelling for the people playing the games. And I would much rather get voted out because I got swap screwed rather than having 77 advantages come out of someone's butt. Yep, is that fair? I, I think that you, exactly. All amazing points. And you know what you made me, uh, what you reminded me of? When was the last time we've had a memory challenge on Survivor? Do you know what I mean? When they have the I thing- I can't remember. That is such a fun challenge because number one, I as a viewer play along, but number two, it, it is all up here. And that's what I mean. There are, there's up here strength. There's this strength. There's talking strength. There's people who have all three, but you, you're discriminating against so many people who don't have this. And it's not, let me just say, it's not just women because there are a lot of very strong, strong women who are getting voted out. Uh, just because they're maybe perceived as weak. Like I remember m people saying that they were worried about Mariah being a challenge, a threat, not a challenge threat, but like not doing well on challenges. And I was like, if I remember correctly, last season, she did pretty well in the first challenge. And I was like, where? Like she was holding her own. And I was very confused as to what they were talking about. Um, but like who was voted out? There was somebody voted out pre-merge last season. The only man voted out. Um, uh, Geo? Mm -hmm. He was voted out and he was because he was he was perceived as weaker than the other men on the tribe. 
And so it's just, and why was Zach voted out? Zach was voted out because he was seen as weak. You know what I mean? It's not just, and that's always going to happen. That is, that is survivor. People will always be voted out because they are seen as weaker, but the assets that, for example, Christian Hubicki brought to the table, he might not be able to lift stuff, but he can, he has the mind determination to stand on a pole for 12 hours. He can figure out a puzzle very fast and why he might, while he might not be a Jonathan, he's his own Christian Ubiki. You know what I mean? And I just think that, you know, people, people need to just, the people who make this show need to take into account these patterns. They need to take into account the reasons why people are being voted off because people like me who have just an emotional breakdown like I did last night. It's not fun to watch Survivor when I know that people like me are going to be voted out. Just boom, 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 every single time. It's not fun. It's time to break up the pattern and it's time to inject even more joy and happiness into yes. this episode because we are going to move on to our award ceremony. We are going to award the social struggle bus. Oh, that's maybe not the most positive one to start with. We're going to <laughs> award the social butterfly award this episode to a contestant we feel really blossom and flex their muscles in a social way. Is there anybody that you're feeling deserves the social butterfly award this week? So I think you actually changed my mind a little bit. Um, I was up in the air on this one um, and I don't even remember who I thought I might do earlier, but you know, I actually think I'm changing it to Jamie. I think the way she's able to kind of bring that joy, bring that, that, that fun to her beach, um, I think is so important and I think the fact that she's made an alliance now, yes, does she have a fake idol? Yes, she does. But that's not because maybe it's because she's too good socially. But um, but I think like she is able to form bonds a little bit better than I think I gave her credit for in the first episode. And so I think I'm going to award it to Jamie. I am in complete agreement with you. There was a confessional where Jamie says, I'm not even tired. I am just so excited and I have so much energy and I go like me personally go like what 10 hours without eating and I am so grumpy I'm hangry if someone looks at me the wrong way someone breathes too loudly I am irked to the nth degree so Jamie just on principle alone I think that we are both going to award you with the social butterfly award for this week so congratulations yay Jamie and then on the opposite side of the spectrum, who do you feel should be the recipient of the Social Struggle Bus Driver Award? So this one I think is a little bit harder this week because I think that there are there's an argument for a couple of people. Um, one person I thought of was Sarah uh, because of just where she is on her tribe. You know, I think it's a hard uphill battle to fight from the bottom like I think she is. Um, but I also don't know if that that is the the right choice. I could, in theory, also give it to the showmance. Uh, it was my other thought because, like I said earlier, being self-aware doesn't mean that you're actually doing anything to fix the problem. And I do think it is a problem. Um, so I thought that that was a, a, a maybe a choice. But I think I'm going to land. I think I'm actually going to land on Josh because while I think he was able to skirt this vote. Um, 
I think that the, his lack of bonds that I'm seeing with other tribe mates could come to bite him. Um, I think on Survivor, you really need to form those bonds as quickly as possible. And, you know, if he isn't feeling super certain about them, uh, then I think that really could really harm his game in the future. So I think I'm going to have to land on Josh for this one. I am also in agreement with the decision to give this award to Josh because it stuck out to me that Danny and Heidi are close. And then we have Matt and Franny who are close. And then there's Josh, which we've talked a lot this season about the person in the middle between two pairs and the power that they have. But I also think, as we have also discussed, that Josh could also be an easy target because of this, because he isn't as close with people. And I completely agree with everything you've said. So Josh, we are going to award you this week, not forever, just this week, the Social Struggle Bus Driver Award. In two weeks, Josh, you'll get the social butterfly because that's what happened with Jamie. So that's true. Just bide your time and you'll be exactly. fine. If exactly. that's the case, and that if that's the case, next week we're gonna give out three social butterfly awards. <laughs> it's gonna be a whole colony of butterflies. That's so funny. But- Make sure to like and subscribe to Survivor Now on YouTube and Spotify, and we would absolutely love to have more dialogue with you about the current state of affairs regarding the voting biases and the the principles of Survivor and the creation of challenges and everything in between. So please do send us a message at SurvivorSocialPod at gmail.com, and we will most certainly read them. Love to have a Discord about that. So thank you so much for tuning in to Survivor Social. We can't wait to chat with you more next week. And I am David. I'm Tegwith. And we will see you next week. 